You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Hello there, friends. Today I have a special guest. It's my friend, Matt Chenard. He is a fellow gym owner, owner of Greater Purpose Health and Fitness. Um, He also played competitive sports throughout his life, um, high-level hockey, and enjoys many outdoor adventures and spending time with his wife. He's also created a program called the True Alpha Program, and it's designed to help men become more mentally, physically, and spiritually resilient. I'd like to welcome Matt Chenard. Hey, Kevin. Happy to be here. Right on. So um, I guess let's start with uh, just telling me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And all that fun stuff. Yeah, um, Matt Chenard. I am from Camrose, Alberta, Canada. So if anyone's listening from the States, um, it's a small little town just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, just south of Edmonton and just north of Calgary. So we're in a prairie town farming community. I grew up playing hockey, um, competitive hockey, uh, and then I slowly transitioned into the health and fitness industry when I, I, my interest was peaked in training and the mindset and the physical training when I was training for hockey myself and had a lot of different training partners in that. And then it piqued my interest so much that with time, I started to get some training certifications, eventually started, uh, I got employed as a trainer opened up a gym, co-founded Cross the Cameras, and now it's grown into what is Greater Purpose Health and Fitness, home of our CrossFit affiliate to this day. Awesome. So when you were taking those original um, courses about fitness and whatnot, was that more for your uh, personal benefit or were you doing it to, to help others? When did that kind of transition over? Good question. Yeah, actually, I think it would have been for me um, in terms of wanting to do this as a career. So I, at that point, I didn't really see it as a way to help people. Uh, I just was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And I didn't really think that being a personal trainer or a trainer or coach was something you could do for a long period of time, but with time in the industry and then opening up the gym, realizing that I'm also interested, interested in entrepreneurship and coaching and all these different principles can be applied in different aspects of life, right? Someone's mindset, building resiliency, um, getting the more physically healthy. So to answer your question, the more condensed matter started more about me and then slowly it became about other people. I think I have a very similar story. So I was a phys ed teacher before owning a gym. So obviously still interested in health and fitness, whatnot, Mm -hmm. but the physical component was something that I didn't really have training in. Like I wasn't a gym rat. I've never had a gym membership in my life. And, uh, it was kind of the same thing. I was like, I want to take this personal training course just to learn more about the human body and how it works and how you grow muscle and all that fun stuff. Cause we didn't really talk about that in our university stuff. Um, it was more like, I don't know, basic stuff. So, um, after that, I found out that people do this for a living. Like you can make money off of telling people what to do. That's crazy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was more like interest for me first. Then once I started training others, I was like, well, this can actually have an effect on other people and 
not just change their physical health, but also everything that goes with that. And I yep. think even over the past two years, this, these pan, this pandemic time, uh, we know that to be even more true than we yep. did before. Right. hundred percent. Um, what would you like being a gym owner? I know you've probably seen instances of, of humans being resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you define that as? What, what is your definition definition of resiliency? Well, that's a really good question. Let me try to define it in a concise way. I think resiliency is the picture we get of someone who is deeply rooted in their purpose of why they are doing something. So what we view as resilient is someone who is steadfast in their why. And, and that's why it can be a confusing thing. I think for some people and to trying to define it or trying to become more resilient, mentally tough, whatever it might be. Um, cause it, it starts with more of this abstract, like, Hey, just know why you're doing it. Well, what does that mean to me? Well, when you really dig deep and deeper and deeper from there and find out why this thing is important to you. And you mentioned like these past two years has been really hard on people, business owners, if someone was rooted in why they're had a business, had a gym, they can make it through. They'll find a way to make it through. And I think that is resiliency, almost this anchor that keeps you in, keeps you focused on the long-term vision and not getting distracted by these short-term struggles. So that really dives into the, um, the mental aspect of it. Do you think there's also physical and spiritual resiliency that that plays into that as well. I think so. I think so. I think, and to kind of tag onto that, I think you become more resilient, right? As, as you stay consistent in that, why? So what I mean by that is, let's say someone's in the gym and the reason why they're going to the gym is to become a better version of themselves. They want to be a better husband. They want to be a better father. They want to be a better business owner. They want to have a long, healthy life with their kids and grandkids. And that being their why, as they keep themselves attached to that, they are going to push themselves through some challenging exercises, some challenging workouts, because we know as uh, fitness coaches that that is what it takes for someone to grow right? You can't just sit back and say, I want to become a more resilient person, or I want to be stronger. I want to be more steadfast. So you think mentally, spiritually, and physically, no, it takes being in that position of growth, which is often uncomfortable and there's resistance. And as you continue to expose yourself and recover from that, you're going to keep growing. So you're going to develop more resilience and adapt from that in all these different aspects of life. I think for sure it can be applied to mental and spiritual as well. I have a quote that I tell some of my clients that uh, you can't read about push-ups to get better at push-ups. Yep. You have to do the work. Yep. You have to go through those moments where it's uncomfortable, those moments where you have to convince yourself where this is the right thing to do and I'm going to do it, right? You can't just Absolutely. sit back and hope and wish because hope and wishes don't really produce results. Nope. Right. Not at all. And we know that. What are some of the things that you do in your, uh, daily life? You mentioned consistency. So 
I kind of already know, but what are some of the things that you do consistently in your daily life that, that help you build resiliency in your, in your life? Yeah. So I do daily cold exposure, um, whether that's outside my ice tub. And I think the neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but outside my ice tub, um, saunas, um, heat exposure, cold shower, um, basically daily disciplines and practices that I know will lead to something in the future. So what I mean by disciplines or practices or habits, it would be, I wake up every morning, try to get up out of bed before six, even better if I can get out of bed before five, I'll have a glass of water. I'll try my very best not to look at my phone for the first 60 minutes of the day. I will do my prayer, my devotions. I'll come upstairs. I'll do some creative writing. I'll do some more creative work. And then I'll do what they call eat the frog, right? Exercises, trying to be consistent in that. The thing that if you had to eat a frog every single day, you'd want to get it out of the way right away. So for me, my frogs are administrative work. So I try to do that right in the morning. And that's how I see it as a, a resiliency as a byproduct of someone being consistent and persistent in these daily practices and habits, because eventually with consistency and being persistent in that, they'll become the person that just does it naturally. Like you won't have to think about it, right? It's just a part of who you are. So I don't know what, at what point someone be, goes from having a nice bath to being someone who just has ice baths. Like he's the ice bath person as an example, right? It's just a lifestyle thing. Yes. I know exactly that it's that moment and you never know when it's going to happen. It's, yep. it's a mystery. The idea though, is to keep doing it until that time happens. Yes. So we, I talked about with this with somebody yesterday, actually. Um, if you, she's a smoker. I said, think about before you were smoking. If you had one cigarette, your very first one, did you consider yourself a smoker then? Would you identify as a smoker? And the answer is no. Mm right? So how many times does it take smoking a cigarette to become a smoker? That becomes your identity. And the yep. same can go for anything for health. If you eat a salad, it doesn't make you healthy. How many salads do you have to eat before you become healthy? Yep. I don't know. The, there's no answer. But the answer is if you do eat salads enough, you'll eventually become a healthy salad eater, right? Yep. Yep. So- I like what you said there at the start about the consistency and also that I know you started out by saying that you do the, the cold exposure and the heat exposure. And to a lot of people listening, those are kind of extreme things. And in mm. their minds, they're thinking that's crazy. I could never do that. But then you followed it up by saying, but I also wake up at the same time every day. I also drink water first thing. Those are the things I think that people can more relate to. Would you say that's yeah. how you would get people started in building resiliency is starting with these really just micro habits? Yep, absolutely. I think micro habits will lead into outwardly what looks like big habits, right? So for me, what, like you said, it can be intimidating to hop into an ice tub and that would be something for someone who hasn't done cold exposure. I would not suggest starting there. I usually suggest hop in a cold shower for 20 seconds once a week, right? That micro dose will build with consistency. And then I think it's about building momentum, right? Worry less about motivation, right? Trying to motivate yourself to have an ice tub 
worry more about building momentum with those micro doses of your habits. So whatever it is, right, whatever the habit might be, it doesn't have to be cold exposure. It doesn't have to be water as long as it's disrupting your comfort, as long as it's disrupting that homeostasis, right? Where you're, you're kind of just at balance because we need that disruption in order to grow as a person mentally, physically, and spiritually. So as long as it's disrupting what you normally would do. So if you wake up at 7.30 a.m., you don't have to go right to 5 a.m. Why don't you wake up at 7.15 and then slowly push that fence back to 5 a.m.? How would you recommend somebody decide what it is that they need to change? They know they're stuck. They know they're in a rut. Mm. They, they, you know, they feel those little jitters of like, I got to do something. I got to be different. What's the first step? I've been experimenting with this abyss, this a bit, this model. And I think it's about if you have a piece of paper and you write down these five categories in your life. So you say physical, mental, spiritual connection, connection being like community and relationships, and then purpose. Now, if you write down on a scale from one to 10, one being not good at all, 10 being optimal, you write down where you are in each of those categories. Then you take your bottom three and think what would help me move this needle forward in my life. So let's make it simple and say, one of my bottom ones was physical. You're going to pick something that's going to help you get more physically fit. So example might be, Hey, it might be just drinking a glass of water five days a week. That'll build momentum. That'll become a bigger habit. It might be going for a walk for five minutes, three times a week. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're becoming the person, like you said at the start, Kevin is who prioritizes this in their life. So worry less about what it is and worry more about becoming the person that prioritizes a habit in their life. It's, it's building a small habit that's going to eventually lead to a ritual, which will then eventually lead to your identity, right? Yep. Like that's, that's the steps in the process. Have you found any, uh, I guess, data that shows how long does that take? What's that, what's that journey like for somebody? So when I work with my coaching clients for health and fitness, I, I've, I've developed something where I help them create their morning and evening routines. And I'll try to get to the, the question near the end. I help them develop their morning and evening routines. And how I do that is I say, okay, you're going to prioritize drinking water in the morning three times a week. Okay. And then you're going to check off every time you do that. Once you have been consistent and consistent in my mind is 75%. Okay. So you're 75% consistent for three, three weeks in a row. I call it locking it in. Then I lock it in. It almost becomes an automatic response. So that's kind of where I've seen it starts to start to transition from a habit or something someone has to think about to automatic thing. That's just a part of their life, a part of the, who they are. I I've heard different studies say it takes 21 days. Other studies says it can take upwards of 240 days. I think that's where it comes into play. There's a lot of underlying factors too, right? Cause I know there's a lot of habits that I have a difficult time maintaining. Well, the complexity I'm sure would have a lot to do with that. 
like a, yeah. a drinking water habit, fairly simple, probably less uh, developing a whole exercise routine, maybe a little longer, right? Yep. Yep. And then removing resistance, removing resistance from your ability to do it. So what does that right? mean? Expand on that. So as simple as if you want to drink water every single morning, if you want to prioritize that before you go to bed at night, take a glass and put it right by the cooler or wherever you might have it. So you're removing the resistance from that. If you want to wake up earlier, instead of having your alarm clock right beside you, put it like 20 feet away from you. So you're removing the resistance. You're removing the ability for you to not do this thing. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the rider and the elephant, uh, analogy? How yes. do you, how do you control an elephant? The answer is you can't, the elephant will go wherever it wants to. And that's basically your subconscious. The rider is your, your conscious. And it's, what's trying to force this elephant to go where it wants to go, but it's not going to, but what you do have control over is the environment in which that elephant resides. So it's really a matter of building up fences and these are those removing restrictions, right? But you yep. can actually build these fences to say, this is where I want to go. And that might include putting your water bottle in plain sight. It might be having your gym clothes out, ready to go for the night before so that when you wake up, you just have to put those clothes on. So that's about kind of changing your environment to suit what you want, mm. right? To get yeah, what you want. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, talk to me a little bit about all or nothing thinking. There's a lot of, I know I work with a lot of clients that I, I'll say they suffer from it. Um, if they can't do it perfectly, they decide mm -hmm. not to do it at all. How do you overcome that with people? I guess the most beneficial way I've found to coach people is by asking more questions. So in that instance, if they are the type of person that goes all in and then they reach some sort of success, whatever success means to them, but then they are unable to do it again or they, they stop doing it. The question would be, how has that been working in the past? Right? Cause then instead of me telling them that's not going to work, it forces them to try to understand why it's not working or understand themselves more. Cause as a coach, if we can help, a person un understand themselves more, I think that's when they start to have success and realizing that, well, and it, it's kind of just a principle, right? If you think about, and I know there's been studies on it too, where they've studied a group of people that they started their fitness journey and just walked like five minutes a day for two months. And they slowly added more and more activity as they went. And the other group started running five kilometers, like five days a week, they got results much faster, but I think there's only like 5% of them. If that, that were still Single there digits. too much. Yeah. 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 And then the other group, they, they reached the same results, even exceeded it and they were still doing it. Right. It's that, I think it takes a lot of putting your ego to the side, right. And trusting that this is the way it works really. Where do you think that idea came from that it has to be perfect or, or not at all? Like, I, I don't understand. Are, are we hardwired for that? Is that something that, that we're all kind of born with of that mentality or is that something we've learned along the way? And where, where do we pick that up? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think it probably has a lot to do with our need for admiration or status or our inability to let go of control of things. Like I'm, so I, I can use a bit of my wife's story. So my wife, she super determined, great athlete. Um, but long story short, she developed an exercise addiction, eating disorder, right? First, when we got married and she would be an achiever, like very kind of leaning towards more of the perfectionist side of things, which I am too, but it became so much that she needed to achieve near perfection in all these things. And if she didn't, she was failing. Right. And when you are failing, you're losing control. But I think that's maybe where it lies is we don't, people don't want to fail. It's scary to fail. So we try to control everything and we try to put on this, we have this persona or this image that says, I have it all together. I have a perfect, I don't want to fail. So I'm not going to try this really difficult thing. I'm not going to take it slow. I'm not going to get uncomfortable because that could outwardly look like I'm failing and it could mean that I'm surrendering to things I don't have any control over. As a coach, how do you, how do you teach somebody that failure is okay? How do you get that message across to them? I think you can use, we know, we know that it's okay. Right. Like you, you really can't learn without it. So what, what do you do as a coach? I think, helping them fail, helping them do something not drastic, right? Helping them experience it and understand that's not that scary, right? It's built up in our mind. And if we start to realize everyone else is afraid of failing too, and why are we afraid of failing? Like, is it because we're going to let ourselves down or is it because we're going to let someone else down? In reality, most of the time, People are so worried about themselves and their, yeah. that they might fail, that they're not even looking at us. So I think it's about showing the evidence that successful people and quote unquote, whatever success means to someone, they fail, right? They're not afraid of it. They don't search it out, but they know that anything good has come from trying something new, either to them or to anyone else. we like to call, uh, failures here, uh, learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's it. If there's no such thing as failure, if you learn from it. So we'll always re- reinforce that. Okay. You may have fallen off this time. What did you learn about that? And tell me those lessons. Now tell me why you're not going to do that again. Yeah. Right. And then when, like you get, when you get them involved in that process, they kind of come to the, their own realization that, Oh, wait, I'm actually okay, right? Nothing really bad happened and I can just, just, just dust myself off and, and keep moving forward. Matt. It's like reframing the, the lens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How many bad days have you had, Matt, in your life? Just take a ballpark guess. More in the last two years than cool. most of the others, I can say a lot. And what percentage of those bad days have you survived? All of them. There you go. I'm still here. Every bad day that you've had, you have survived. Yeah. And that's, that's a message that we can really put 
like literally I would ask a client that same thing. How many bad days have you had in the last month? Seven. Great. How many of those did you survive? Oh, all of them. Great. You're going to have more next month and you will survive those as well. It's not going to be different, right? But yep. what are you going to learn from that? And then how can you have less of those failing days down the road, right? I like that. And as you said that, Kevin, I had a thought like physically I'm still here, but maybe in those bad days, maybe in those moments of resistance, discomfort, there's a part of me that had to die, right? There's a part of me that had to be peeled back for me to grow, right? So maybe something had to be removed in those bad days for me to move forward and become a better version of myself. That's how gardeners do it. Yep. You got you to prune, otherwise your, your plants aren't going to grow. Yep. It's how snakes do it. They have to shed their skin. You have yeah. to get rid of some of that old stuff, that old baggage that's holding you back sometimes in order to move yeah. forward. They talk Absolutely. about that. I've seen that with the, uh, the archery analogy. Sometimes when life is pulling you back, it's just waiting for you to waiting for to, to launch you forward. Yeah. I love that. And it gives you hope too, right? For sure. Listen, do you have any tips, tricks, hacks? I hate using the word hack or uh, strategies for people that would like to start working on their own resiliency. Where would you suggest people start? I say, start with the why start with why you want to become more resilient. So this is a big key thing that I've noticed is if you're doing it for outward gratification or admiration, it's really hard to see it through to the end. But if you're doing it in service of something, there's a deeper reason behind it. Then you'll see it through because most of the things in my life that haven't succeeded have been, I guess, failed, quote unquote, haven't worked because it was for selfish reasons, right? Whether I stopped it because I realized it didn't give me energy and it actually was taking a part of me, or it just, I didn't have the resiliency to see it through because it wasn't actually an important thing to contribute in service of others and making the world a better place. So I think start with why, and then start with small action steps. Start in some sort of way, adding discomfort into your life. Now this can be micro discomfort. And I think often people just associate discomfort with pain and struggle or like throwing up from workout or getting into a cold ice tub. But I think it's uncomfortable to listen and to be more curious than judgmental. It's uncomfortable to apologize first. It's uncomfortable to admit when you're wrong. It's uncomfortable to hug a stranger. It's uncomfortable to offer help. It's uncomfortable to do a lot of things. It's uncomfortable to eat healthy right? We naturally want to eat these more, less nutrient dense foods because it's satiating and it's addictive. So if you just start to look for these micro discomforts, tie yourself to your why and continue to do it every single day with time, you'll become that resilient person. And like we said, we don't know when that time is that you switch, but people will notice. For sure. When you mentioned those five um, topics earlier, purpose, mental, physical, spiritual, and connection, would you say it would be most important to focus on the purpose first? Is that kind of connected to the why? Yeah, I, 
I think so. I think I kind of look at it as micro and macro purpose. We're never going to know our whole purpose as a person on earth while we're still alive, right? That's the macro. I'm not going to go searching and say, I need to know exactly what I need to do on here on earth. Well, you're not going to know, but the micro purpose can be used in all the different aspects of your life. Why do I want to work out? Why do I want a deep relationship with my wife? Why do I want to start this business? So that would be more of the purpose aspect. And then you can live with purpose in everything you then do, because it's about, I think purpose is about making impact, positive impact in people's life. And you can do that through something like this podcast. You can do it through your gym. You can do it through your relationships. You can do it through your stories. You can do it through social media. And when you start to look at it that way, that's a life lived in purpose, right? You're purposeful with every single thing you do and you're not getting overwhelmed. What's my purpose here on earth? That's overwhelmingly powerful. What you just said, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, it's mind blowing. Um, it, it almost, when you have a defined purpose, it gives you clarity. Would yeah. you agree? Like that's, that's really it. You become so clear on anything. If there's any type of problem or situation that comes up, how does that match up with my purpose? It almost makes decisions autopilot. You don't have to think, you don't have to question it. It's like, does this line up with my purpose? Yes or no? No, I don't have time for that. Yes. Let's go. Yep. Absolutely. And then you can look at it as a gym owner or a business owner in the, this pandemic, you say, we've had to like make a lot of hard decisions and a lot of hard switches. If you don't have this purpose statement, if you don't have core values, if you don't have these principles, if you don't have these pillars or priorities set up, when something hits you, when something comes your way that you have to make a quick decision, you're going to be making the decision in a short-sighted manner instead of looking at the whole scheme of things and saying, does this fit with who I am? Because you don't, I don't think you can really live a life of purpose if you don't have a better understanding of who you are and whether that's as an individual or as a business, you have to know what you're there. What's the mission? What are you trying to establish? And then if you have those built up, like you said, it becomes very quick. You have clarity. This is what I need to do. And this is why I'm going to do it. All right. Final question. What's yep. your mission? What's your mission? My mission. So my vision statement is to share my faith, my faith in Christ in everything I do say and speak and act. My mission is to right now, because my mission is always changing is to impact positively impact 1000 lives of men to help make them better leaders in all aspects of their life. So they can live purpose-driven, impactful legacy lasting lives. So before I let you go, can you tell me about your true alpha program? What is, what is that all about? Why did you come up with that? And uh, what impacts have you been having on some people with that? Yeah. So it kind of developed, I'll go back to my wife is and purpose and all these different things. If we don't understand who we are as a person, if our identity gets wrapped up in all these finite, inconsistent things of this world, whether it's more money, 
it's a six pack, it's a bigger house, it's more cars, whatever it might be, that is not consistent, right? Because I could not have a six pack tomorrow. And if I wrap myself in that as my significance and value, then I'm going to be a mess, right? So it's as for my wife, she, this illness kind of like, there's lots of reasons it happened, but lacking the awareness of who she was and not having that focus on the service and impact she wanted to have. So that's where it kind of developed. And I noticed that a lot of addictions, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety stems from this, right? Our, our lack of character or lack of understanding of who we are outside of what we do or don't do of our successes or failures. So then from there, I realized, okay, once you understand who you are, right? Helping men understand who they are, because this can be applied to ladies as well but I like to work with men in this and really help them become leaders. Once you understand who you are, you create a vision, mission, then you learn how to invest your time, money, energy, resources, and stories. And from there, you create daily impact, which will ultimately lead to your legacy. So I've, I see a lot of men walking around lacking purpose, right? They, they're trying to be this puff, puffed up version this imposter of who they are because they think that's what the world wants. They want yeah. or who people think rich. they should yes. be. Yeah. 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 Super Jack, super rich. Um, lots of relationships, all these different things. But in reality, if you peel that back, I guarantee every single person that continually just pursues that for significance is not happy. They're not fulfilled. They lack purpose. And I want to help peel that back and help them understand who they are, who they were designed to be, so they can make a bigger impact. They can live a fulfilling life. And I think we've probably realized another thing through this pandemic, we need a lot more strong leaders, right? Not, not leaders that are just, just in it for power or money, whatever. They're in it to change the world. They're in it to change their community. They're in it to change the people around them, whatever it might be, you have to know who you are. You have to develop this. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to realize that value and significance is not going to come from what you achieve. Absolutely. I'm going to put all your uh, contacts uh, info in the show notes. What I found from following Matt on, on uh, social media is that he's super, almost hyper consistent with what he posts, his mm -hmm. message of consistency and resiliency and clarity um, in everything that he posts. Uh, I still personally think that doing those ice baths is absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> I've done a couple polar dips every now and then, but not yep. something to do every day. Uh, it literally took my breath away and I ran quickly like a little girl screaming down the hall <laughs> into the shower to get warm back up. But um, I don't know, maybe if I keep seeing you do it, I'll eventually try to be that person that also does that crazy thing. So you never know. Maybe you can hop on a, another podcast in the ice tub with me. Oh man. Okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's I'm always up for a challenge. Give me a date. Yeah. Tell me, let's do tell me when that's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to make it right now. I'm going to, I'm going to commit to that. Let's do Instagram live. Let's do okay. like a midweek. Um, you got it now April. knowing how long it took you to build up to where you are. 
How long, give me a, a reasonable timeline for this to happen. Well, it's good because it's, it's spring, right? So it's not going to be as bad. Um, really, I still feel the cold when I'm in there. So of the course. tolerance is more mental knowing that you're going to be okay type of thing. So if you go into the ice tub and you know that you're going to have a response of hyperventilating and wind together out there right away, but you just breathe into it. And even if we're talking, it's going to be much easier. That's my one trick too, is <laughs> I talk on most of them because I forget what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. But I'm game. Let's do a Instagram live, Facebook live Sounds and jam. Uh, I'm down for that. Awesome. Cool. Matt, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for hopping on here for uh, one of my first podcasts. So I appreciate your time and effort and thank you for all you do. Thanks, Kevin. This was great. Right on. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.